in the church, there's this unbelievable ability to be living, having one, one face, and yet behind that face, having a completely different reality. And so as we're in this uh, series right now, talking about this messy church, right, that God has this, he has revealed to us his will in Ephesians chapter 1, that when Jesus Christ came, his whole purpose of coming was to unite everything, to bring us to oneness to bring us back to oneness with God so we can actually experience him with us every single day. And then, once we receive God's spirit, that we could actually treat each other the same way that God treats us. And if we do that, then we will experience a oneness. Now, can I just ask you, will anything tear apart oneness more than that right there? (laughs) And this is what we need to address. So two weeks ago, we're in Matthew chapter 18. So this is a teaching right from Jesus where he's trying to help us to understand how do we live in this community? Because if we're going to try to be one, as we've been talking about, it is really hard to do because we're in it and we're messy people. And so two weeks ago, we talked about falling, that, ever, that stumbling, that, that this happens when all of us stumble. And we got to make sure that we're not causing other people to stumble away from God. Last week, Jesus said, if somebody starts to wander, If all of a sudden the lures of this world or the things of their flesh, or if they start doubting God and they start wandering away from him, he just says, man, when someone wanders away from me, I go after them. Because bringing everything together is of the utmost importance to God. And so now Jesus is going to continue on in his conversation, in his teaching, and he's going to say, okay, so now what do we do if when somebody wanders away from me, which really, you guys, if we wander away from God, then all we've done is wander away from the things that are actually right and true and good, that bring harmony, that bring peace. So then Jesus comes up to what we're going to talk about today, and he says, now, if somebody actually sins against you, what do you do? Because it's one thing when somebody just sins, but it's another thing when they do it against you. And now it really gets messy. And how in the world do we maintain unity with each other when we've been hurt? And I I just want to tell you, church, trying to bring our lives together in relationship, um, it's the same thing with marriage, right? Can I just tell you, right, when you got married, how many of you are married in this room? Or have been, like a lot of us have experienced this. Tom's trying to lift Andrea's arm. Yes, you're married to me, honey. (laughs) When you get married, one of the things that happens is two individuals getting this close to each other, then all of a sudden, you know what happens? There's no way that the other person ever meets your standard. Right, honey? (laughs) And and, and so I want to tell you, like, early on, one of the biggest things I learned about in marriage, which totally applies to what we're talking about today, is this. When somebody does something that you don't like or that seems to be short of your standard... The first question I think you need to ask is, do I say something or not? Right? You guys might want to write all this down, because these three right here might be enough. We can just go home. The first question you need to ask is, do I say something or not? The second question is, if I'm going to say it, when do I say it? And that's huge. And then the third thing is, what's my attitude when I say it? And if you're going to have unity in your marriage, or if you're going to have unity within any relationship with each other, Those are the three questions. When do I say something? Or or should I say something or not? When do I say it? And what's my attitude when I do? 
And so I just want to tell you guys, um, the church, for us right here, if we're a part, and for K2, the reason we're doing this series is because we just believe with all of our heart that God, when he tells us that his will for us in this room, in this body, is to be like this, this is hard stuff. But listen to uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, says this. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And so if you're, if you're here today and, um, and you're checking out Christianity, if you're wondering about who Jesus is, I think what we're teaching here, you guys, today, it should, should be one of the most attractive things to you about Christ because all of us are trying to figure out how do we keep our relationships together, especially when somebody has really hurt me. And if you're a Christian here today, and if you're a follower of Christ, and you look at that verse, then Paul is urging us to make every effort, every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit because that's the will of God. It's why Jesus came. He came to bring us and knit us together. And when we do this, you guys, our lives are beautiful. Our relationships are gorgeous. They, they, they just display God's glory. And that's why Jesus said, if you guys could actually do this, you know what would happen? The whole rest of the world would know that I came from you. So we're going to pray, and here's why. Because if that's true, think about this. If it's true that you and I fight and make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit, and if we have this, and everybody else around the Salt Lake Valley starts to look and see our relationships and go, how do you guys love each other like that? They will be drawn to Jesus. That's what Jesus said. So I can tell you this right now. If there's any war, spiritual war that goes on, our enemy that Jesus says we have will do anything he can to try to divide us. He just will. So you can know right now, man, if there's division happening in any relationship you've got, somehow the spiritual enemy is at work within that. So man, let's pray, right? This is huge. And uh, this is a big deal. And let's ask God to come and do what only he can do to supernaturally empower us to live this out. So God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the chance to worship you. Thanks for the chance to remind ourselves that you are so worthy and you are so good as our creator, as our savior, as a lover of our souls. Thank you, God, for a chance to remind ourselves that we are going to be about what you're about here. We believe with all of our heart that your ways are right. And we're going to fight. We're going to fight and do everything we can to stay within the unity that you've given us. So, Lord, um, now I just ask that your word would come and it be powerful and effective and Lord, you know every single one of us in this room, and you know where we struggle, even right now, I'm sure, that almost all of us in this room have somebody that we're struggling with, somebody who's hurt us. There's some relationship that's not tight, that's not one. And I ask that as we walk through these scriptures today, would your word be alive and active? Would it really go right, pierce right to the depth of our heart? And would you help us, God, to live out what we're going to hear right now. And I ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. 
You know, um, <clears throat> so in the church, lots of times we do Bible studies, right? We, we want to be a part of Bible studies. I think we should probably actually call them Bible doings, right? <laughs> Instead of Bible studies. Because lots of times, this passage I'm going to share with you guys, if you're in the church for very long, anytime there's conflict in the church, somebody will say, well, what does Matthew 18 say? What does Matthew 18 say? This is what we're going to go through today is the classic passage about how to handle conflict resolution straight from God to you and me. And we're all going to have conflict. But I'm telling you, man, what I'm going to share with you, this is not one of those messages where you can go, well, thanks for that message, Pastor, right? And walk out. This is going to be some hardcore stuff that you're going to have to hold on to and say, okay, am I actually going to do what Jesus says? And so, because living in unity with each other is hard, all right? So here we go. Matthew chapter 18, starting with verse 15. You can grab your Bibles. It's up on the screen or check it on your phone, wherever you want. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. And if he refuses to listen to them, then tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, then let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. So, <clears throat> before we even moved out here to start K2, I felt like God had shared this very strongly and pressed this on my heart. David, as you move out there, the number one thing that the enemy's going to try to do is to divide you as a church. It's just what he does. So we put together this thing that we call the Pledge of Connection. And from the earliest days on, we used to stand in circles and we'd look at each other and we'd just say this back. It was kind of our, our marriage vows to each other, right? Our, our vows to one another to really fight for the unity of the church. And as I was studying this passage uh, this week, I realized this is just, this is our Pledge of Connection. So here's, what I, here's how I'm going to dive it down. And I, I really do encourage you to grab a pen, grab your notes, and just write down some of the stuff because this is going to be very practical stuff to help you when somebody sins against you. All right? There are four things I'm going I'm to challenge you and challenge myself to live out. And these are so hard. Here's the first one. I accept the challenge to tell you the truth. I accept the challenge to tell you the truth. So what does Jesus say? If your brother sins against you, Go and tell him his fault. Go and tell him his fault. Now, how many of you, <laughs> when you see somebody, when somebody's hurt you and you know somebody's done something wrong, how many of you just kind of cringe at the thought, well, now you got to go into that mess and go into that tunnel of chaos? This is hard to do. But I'm going to tell you, there are two different truths. When he says, go and show him his fault, the challenge of telling somebody the truth, there are two different truths that we need to address. The first one is this. It's the truth of the sin that's done against me. The first thing that we need to accept the challenge of is when somebody's hurt you, will you actually share the truth that you've been hurt with that person? 
And this is when I go back to marriage. When do I say something or when do I not say something? And I just want to give you some practical advice here. First of all, sometimes people do things against you and they hurt you and you just need to let it roll off your back. Can I just talk, can anybody talk parenting right here? Like I am telling you, I can't tell you how many times I look at my kids and just go, it's not that big of a deal, right? And so partly what you need to do is when somebody is, when you feel hurt, the first thing you need to look at was, is that actually their issue or is it my issue? Because sometimes the thing that was done wrong isn't that big of a deal. In fact, as I was studying that this week, this one guy said, what great wisdom God has done in this to let us know that are you really, because if you, <clears throat> if you share with somebody what they did against you and they don't listen to you, then you're supposed to find two more people and go and show it to them. <laughs> and the guy said, right there might help you to realize, is it really that big of a deal? Or is this just something I should be able to let go? So, but here's how I think you can know if you can let it go or not. If it can't roll off your back, and if the sin that's been done against you is actually causing you to pull away from that person, then you've got to go. And I don't care if it's their issue or if it's your issue. You must go and let them know that something is festering inside of you. What does the Bible say? Do not let the sun go down on your anger, lest the devil get a foothold. Right? Because you know this, man. If somebody has hurt you, it <clears throat> doesn't matter if they were wrong or if you're messed up, but if you're hurt inside and you don't get it out, what happens to this unconfessed anger? What happens to it? It festers, baby. It grows, it explodes, and the next thing you know, it starts affecting your mind, and you have ideas about that person and what they've done that aren't even close to reality anymore. And so you must go and let them know. Now, Here's what's interesting. He said, and then if you go and you actually tell them, then, and it's not working out, right? They're not listening to you. Then he says, then take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. And I just can't tell you how many times I've done this. When I've talked to somebody and there's real conflict and there's real hurt and real pain going on in a relationship and they can't reconcile, one of the first things I'll, I'll say is, well, do you want me just to, can I just come? Can I actually, is somebody, did you bring somebody else into the situation? Because I want to tell you what, man, when two people can't get it together, it's amazing what a third party does to the situation. Now, here's what's interesting. This is great wisdom again from God. As soon as you bring two other people in, one of the truths, right? So why are you bringing them in? Because again, I'm accepting the challenge to get, I want to tell you the truth. <laughs> when you bring two people in, here's, here's, here's be careful, because the truth might be, you're the one who's messed up. Because sometimes you get in there and the person with all the accusations, I'll be sitting there and, and listening to the whole story and I'm going, uh. And sometimes we need to realize we bring an arbitrator in and it's helpful to even understand our own reality and our own reaction to something. Now, on the other hand, it really truly might be an issue that the other person has done. And what the Bible tells us is then you bring two other people into the situation and no charge from the Old Testament on, even in the judicial system, it's like no charge is valid from just one person's opinion. So you bring two other people in and it can help validate and bring reality to the situation. Now, here's a question though. What type of people do you bring into the situation with you? Because this is huge. 
what you do is you find other people who are really ticked at that person too, right? You find other people who you know, man, they love you so much and they're, they're offended that you got hurt. And No, that's not who you bring in. You must bring in somebody along with you who loves both of you. You've got to bring somebody in who's not going to be caught up in the emotion of the deal, but who has high integrity and character so that they can thank you very much. So that they have high integrity and character so that they're not being swayed by the emotion of the whole deal. And as Christians, I I tell you, it's the best thing to do is bring somebody in who's really rooted in the word of God so that the truth of God's word can get into the situation and not just opinion. All right? So there you go. The truth of the sin against you, you've got to accept the challenge to get that out. If we're ever going to be one, you guys, don't hold it in. But here's the second thing. You do need to share the truth. If you're going to go show someone their sin, it does need to be truth and not your opinion. Okay? Now here's, here's a verse. So much we could teach on this, but I'm going to share this quickly. In verse 18, when it says, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What the heck does that mean? Anybody got an idea what that means? <laughs> right? So here's what it is. In all the study that as I found, <clears throat> when they say binding and loosing, what they're really talking about is what is forbidden and what is permitted. And so what, really what's happening here is if there's sin in our midst, and we're actually going to try to take care of it so that we can actually stay together, then one of the key things that must happen is that we need to make sure if we're saying this is permissible, this is not permissible that it, again, can't be our opinion. And so here's what's interesting. When it says, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, that could almost feel like, hey, so together, whatever we decide, that's what God has to go with? Oh my gosh, would that be screwy or what? Right? So that is not what's going on here. It is not, God is not giving the right to the church to make decisions that will then become binding on God. That's not what's happening here. So really, when you look at this verse, the tense of these verbs, it should say, truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. So what he's really talking about is this. Instead of us taking our opinions, we're finding out what is bound in heaven, what has been determined as permissible and not permissible in heaven. And then, whatever that is, as the church, we flesh that out with each other. That's huge, because church could get really goofy if all of a sudden people were making their own opinions. It must be determined by what has already been determined in heaven and is bound there, and then we take those things that we learn from God and we pass it on to each other. And that's why these next two verses, when it says in verse 19, again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything, they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. How many of you have heard that verse? (laughs) How many of you Christians have used that verse? (laughs) See, we love to say that verse. Wherever two or three are gathered, God's in our midst. And And it's true. But did you ever know that this was the context for that verse? So what he's really saying is, when you're trying to figure out how to handle sin against each other within the church, get together and pray because when you are together in my name, which means in my, with my lordship and my character and my will, he goes, I'm right in your midst and I will let you know. 
I will let you know how you should handle this conflict. Does that make sense to you guys? This is, this is, I know this is, this is deep, but I'm telling you, holding our conflicts together and bringing reconciliation is one of the biggest things that kills our church, every church. And Jesus is going, I am in your midst. I am with you. Don't do this alone. Get two or three together. Pray, and I am in your midst, and I'll lead you in how to bring this together. It matters to me that you stay reconciled. All right? So number one, I accept the challenge to tell you the truth. Number two, I accept the challenge to cover your back. Matthew 18, 15, he goes on. It says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Now, why is that so hard? <laughs> I mean, isn't it crazy? Like that whole video, what is it? That whole video was, this guy drives me nuts, and I can't wait to tell somebody else about that. And in the church, you guys, this is maybe the worst place. We love to couch this kind of stuff in prayer requests, right? Hey, I think we really should pray for so-and-so. Really, what you're doing is you're just gossiping. You're, just, you're, you're slandering someone's name. And here's the deal. This is so hard. If somebody hurts you, you don't go tell somebody else. Because as soon as you tell somebody else, now they have an opinion of that person. This is God's wisdom to us. This is from God, you guys. And he's saying, listen, I want as few people as possible to know of the screw-ups of each other. Now, can I just ask you a question? How many of you have sinned against somebody else? And how many of you would appreciate it if that person didn't go tell everybody else? <laughs> See, that's how we want to be treated. If I hurt you, would you just tell me? Because half the time I didn't even mean to. Half the time I'm not even aware of it. And if you're going around telling everybody else, and that's, if you would have just come to me, then we could have worked this thing out together. This is the wisdom of God. And I want to tell you, if this is the wisdom of God, then going and telling somebody else is the wisdom of who? It is satanic. It is, you guys, gossip and slander are in the verses that are with all the other stuff that we actually think are bad. And he puts them right in there because he knows this. If we can cause our, if our little tongue going and telling other people about our hurt and our pain and what somebody else has done, it will divide the church. And so, man, accept the challenge to cover each other's back. Now, can I tell you again? <laughs> this is so much easier to teach you than to actually do. I'm telling you, I, I, I've, I've had so many times, we, we, I've taught this in our crash course like probably 25 times. And it's crazy, like after I'll teach this, next thing you know, right in the middle, I'll sit down, and this happened one time, right after this, I was sitting at lunch, having lunch with somebody who I actually really respect, and they started totally talking bad about another pastor in the valley. And what do you do with that? So here's what I'm telling, let me teach you, um, instead of tell you what I did. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, what are you going to do if somebody starts to talk to you about somebody else? Can I just challenge us Stop the conversation. Stop the conversation. And I want to tell you, man, I sat there in that booth and this person was going off and I'm like, oh, I just told everybody last night what to do. <laughs> and finally, I did. I mustered up and I said, hey, hey, can you? 
I know who you're talking about, and they're a friend of mine. And so you got to stop the conversation. And then the very next thing you ask is, hey, have you told them? Have you told them? And what happens 90% of the time? No. Then you got to say, then, then we're stopping right here. And I want to tell you, through trying to practice this through these 10 years at K2, here's what I finally realized I need to say. Hey, now that I know this information, I'm just, I, I can't do nothing with it. And so you have to go tell this person. And if you can't do it by yourself, I'll go with you. But we are not keeping this in the dark. You guys get that? How, isn't this easy? Right? This is this. You know, because you know what we want to do? We just want to listen and say, yeah, I'll pray. Right? I'll pray. That's what we want to do. And Jesus did not teach us to do this. He said, man, we're going to stop this stuff. And we're going to go just you and me alone. And if that hasn't happened, nip it and cover each other's backs. And again, I just want to tell you guys, that is what you want somebody else to do for you. If somebody's talking about you, you want to have a friend who you know will say, stop that and go address it. So I challenge you. I challenge me. Accept that challenge to cover each other's back. Number three, I accept the challenge to receive from you humbly. He goes on and says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone, and if he listens to you. So now let's flip it around. So if somebody actually has the courage, right, to come and they've been hurt by you and they actually now are going to shine some light and show you where you've been off track. How many of you just go, thank you so much, right? What's our response? (laughs) I mean, seriously, immediately. We have this amazing defensiveness that comes up. Who are you? Who do you think you are? To tell me, let me tell you about you, right? I mean, we 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 can't receive this. And so let's flip it around if he listens to you. So here's what I want to ask you. If somebody... Okay, if somebody messes, <clears throat> if you totally hurt somebody and they tell you, will you have the gentleness and the kindness and the ability to accept some reproof? So now let me talk to us because this passage was for Christians. If you're a Christian <clears throat> and somebody comes and shows you a fault, can I just ask of you, how many of you know you're a sinner? Okay, so your hands go up quick. Well, then why does that surprise you? (laughs) Why does it surprise you that somebody actually showed you that you did something wrong? See, if you're a follower of Christ, one of the greatest news of the gospel is I'm messed up. And someone goes, when someone someone, someone shares with you, you messed up. You go, oh, okay. (laughs) Because I know that about me. I mean, it's crazy. If someone shares that we've actually messed up, we put up all this defensiveness as if to act like we have our act together. We should just go, I know I don't have my act together. That doesn't surprise me at all. That's how we should be able to respond. But secondly, you know what can help us respond that way? The way we can actually listen is this. If you're a Christian, you know you're a sinner, and you know that you are completely covered by God's grace, right? And that he has completely forgiven you. Because here's the good news, you guys. When we all die, we're not going to stand in front of each other. Yay, exactly. Oh, thank you. No way, man. When I die, I have one judge, and it's Jesus. And he's going to look at me and say what? You are completely forgiven of all your sin. 
So again, when someone comes at you and they condemn you and if they're accusing you, then you, you, you can just go, man, you know what? I know I messed up, but Jesus has totally forgiven me. Thank you for showing me. Because here's the other thing I know. If you are a Christian and you've wandered off the path and you're in sin and you hurt somebody, if somebody shows you that you're way off base with God, what do you want to do as a follower of Christ? What do you want to do? You want to get back on the path. I mean, actually, we should be so grateful. It's like, now, I think this is actually a good test if you're a Christian. Because if you're doing stuff that is outside of God's will and somebody actually shows you and the lights come on and they use God's word and it's not their opinion and it's very clear you're doing something that's outside of God, as a follower of Christ, we should be, thank you. Now I can get back on the path. Now, I, I, I will say this. Well, no, actually, no, I'll wait and say that for the next one. So I accept the challenge to receive from you humbly. You guys, one of the ways, one of the greatest hopes that we have as Christians, to keep our relationships together is just give yourself some grace. Realize you're a sinner saved by grace. And then when someone comes in and shares what, something with you, it'll help you to listen to them and not get defensive. Okay? I accept the challenge to tell you the truth, to cover your back, to receive from you humbly. Last one, I accept the challenge to give you grace. I accept the challenge to give you grace. Can I just say this, man? Um, well, let me, let me go. The verse, right? Same verse. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he listens, what? You have gained your brother. So here's the question, you guys. If somebody has sinned against you, if they've done something outside of God's will, and you're going to go and turn on the light and show them, can I just ask you, why are you going to do that? Why are you going to do that? You know why sometimes we do it? Because, man, I'm going to show you you're wrong and I'm right. <laughs> right? So it's amazing to us how much better we feel when we can show somebody else how wrong they are. It kind of goes, look at me. It's a self-righteousness. And so if your attitude in showing somebody sin is, and here's the other thing, you really hurt me. And so I'm going to turn on the light and show you what a scumbag you are so you can feel the same pain I'm feeling. Anybody you know, resonate with this? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> no, but I'm serious. This is huge. I just want to tell you, I have found that I can receive anybody's exhortation, anybody's coming and showing me the wrong that I've done when I know they're for me and when I know they love me. Okay, I see a lot of heads nodding. It's true, isn't it? If somebody comes to me, and, it's, and why are they actually going to show me my wrong? It's because they want, if the verse could be up there, it's because they want to gain my relationship. They don't want to judge me. They don't want to accuse me. They don't want to prove me wrong. They actually care about what Jesus cares about. And what Jesus cares about, according, apparently, to the point of dying on the cross, was us being able to have relationships that can last and be unified. And so when somebody comes to me and says, you know what, I want to gain your relationship, Dave, because right now I feel separate from you. You hurt me, and I'm pulling away from you. That's not the will of God. And so I'm coming to you, not to accuse you, not to condemn you, not to judge you. I'm coming to you because I love you and because I love Jesus, and I want to honor him, and I want to bring us back together. You guys get this? That is huge.
So I'm telling you, you got to catch your heart. And I have had to do this with Susie in our relationship when she's, actually, she has actually twice done something that bugged me. No, I'm kidding. But when Susie actually, but within this, when there's been something under my skin, if I, I have to stop and I have to pray. And I say, am I, why am I going to share this with her? Is it because I don't like what she's doing? Or is it because when I can get my heart to the point, I'm going to share this with her because I love her or because I love our relationship? Then I'll actually go and tell her. And right now, I just want to tell you, man, so in your heart, if you have a self-righteous spirit, if you have a condemning spirit, if you have a judging spirit, the first thing you need to go is will you accept the challenge to give that person grace? Because what the Bible says is, Christians, Christians, accept one another as Christ has accepted you. Forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. How much grace have you received? And if we can give each other grace after 26 years of ministry, I can tell you this, man, grace wins with truth. When everything gets exposed and there's nothing but a desire to gain relationship with each other, I'm telling you, Satan loses, you guys. He can't fight in the light. So accept the challenge to get it out. Get it in the truth. And when you are truthful, do it with grace and do it with love and the gospel will take effect, and we will be united. And I'm telling you, nobody in this room wants anything but relationships that last. This is the will of God, and it is how we as a church, K2, actually bring glory to the whole valley.